Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron. God is good, isn't he? God is good all the time. And I said, um, you know, when I when I was just going through this chapter, because a few times I was just on the way to work, I really on a listen to the whole book. And um, uh, going into this, I said, you know, it's uh, owning a corporation. I get involved with lawyers. And uh, sometimes at the end of the, end of the meeting, I have to say, could you please rephrase that so I can understand what you just wrote? You know, that some, one of the apostles said, you know, Paul can be a little hard to understand. And I, and I, and I can get it in chapter 4 because I, I think Paul might have put on his legal hat. And I don't know what law school he graduated from, but he, I know he, he, he graduated from some prestigious schools training him up in Judaism and stuff like that. But I, I, I think, uh, you know, some of the wording here seems legal. And I and when I get that, when I get that in the corporate world, I look at that thing and I get really frustrated because I'm reading documents and I have no clue what I just read. So please interpret it to me. So, but you know, we have a Holy Spirit that's so amazing that He He might take things that we read that may seem difficult and He'll reveal the truth. And, and that's what we're going to do this morning. We're, we're going to look at some words that Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 4. Some could be not too, not too, too difficult, but, but kind of wordy and trying to connect the dots and the cross on the T's and stuff like that. But we have a wonderful Holy Spirit that enjoys communicating so all can understand. Often said, if you're ever going to be a pastor and speak to people, you better make sure a little child can understand what you're saying. Because if they can't, we've missed the whole purpose of the gospel and the whole truth of the gospel. It's, it's supposed to be presented so people can understand and receive. Amen? Amen. And I'm looking forward to to going through Galatians chapter four. I was I early. I was gonna. I never got a chance to send uh, Jerry some pictures, but but uh, when when I got born again, I uh, the person that led me to Christ said, "Come to Pennsylvania." And my main assignment for the week in Pennsylvania was understand the book of Galatians. And he he spent. His way of discipling was six days of I spent every waking hour with him. Saw him work, saw him minister, saw, saw him uh, pray for healing. Saw, and, and at the end of it, the whole thing, he prayed over me that I would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and I really didn't feel anything. It was not an emotional thing, not a crazy thing. But when I went home and opened up the Word of God, 
greater revelation. I said, something happened. Something happened. God wants us to understand his truth. So, Father God, reveal it to us this morning that we know that we know and understand everything that you have for us in Jesus' name. We're going to open up with uh, verses 1, to, 1 through 7 in Galatians chapter 4. What am I saying is that as long as we are heir is under age, he is no different than a slave, although he owns the whole estate. I'll stop there a minute. It's, I, as we go through this message, we need to understand our identity, who we are, and what we have in Christ. And he's saying you can be an infant of, of not understanding, but that doesn't remove the fact of what you have. Follow that? All right? So, so as an heir is subject to guardians, trustees, until the time is set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were as slavery under the eternal spiritual forces of the world. Know your position. You are more than a conqueror. But sometimes it takes a while to know that. Then, but at the set time, had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. In other words, flesh. To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So, do you know who you are? That you are a son and daughter of the most powerful force in the universe? And on top of that, he loves you? So let's go on. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into the hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. That tells me, when, tells us when we got born again, a transaction happened. Somebody took permanent residence in your heart that you didn't have before you came to Christ. And it says that the Spirit, when, when you finally said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I'm a mess. And, and whatever those words were when you came to know Jesus, instantly the Holy Spirit took residence. And what did that residence mean when he took residence in your life? Abba, Father. You are no longer spiritual orphans. But you have gone into a relationship where Abba, Father... Now you have a new identity and a father. If your father didn't do a good job, you got one amazing father now. And, and Abba Father is, is like an endearing thing. It's, it's, it, and that's growing in your life. 
that, that you come to recognize what is this connection I've just entered into, that I'm connected to, to a father that is relentless in loving me. He brought you to that place that the Spirit calls out and reminds you from the very innermost part of who you are, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father. So you no longer are slaves, but God's child. Since you are his child, God, God has made you also an heir. And now we get into some things. What's the depth of that? Being a, it was something, something that was a real connection with the Jewish nation and the Jewish people with Father. But now we're going to get into this. What, what does that mean? Now also you, of course Paul is talking to Gentiles, you are now heirs to the promise Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who are by nature are not gods. But now you know God, or rather known by God. I'm glad that Paul rephrased that. You know, uh, but not that you know that you know Him, but that He knows you. Isn't that amazing? God knows every piece of your life. He knows your goings. He knows your comings. He knows everything that is going on. He knows your successes. He knows your failures. And, and whether successes or failures, there, there's never a disconnect. There's never a disconnect. And he says, it's not just that you know him now, but more importantly, he knows you. And, you, and to know that connection and growing in that connection. We'll find out a little later. Do you wish to be enslaved then all over again? Are you observing special holidays, months and seasons and years? I fear for you that somehow you have wasted my effort. You know, and, and I, I thought about, you know, it's really not connected with that, but but Hey, in America, in America, we've totally lost Christmas and Easter. Isn't that true? It's, it, it, it's, it's, uh, even, even in the Christian family, to a certain sense, we've lost Christmas and Easter. And, it, and it's a, you know, because you go through the motions, and all becomes about what man's vision of these holidays and what really what they are. So it says. So it says here. It says you're ob you're observing these days, months and seasons and years, and you're just going through the motions and not understanding the depth of what it meant that God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Never dawns us on any time that his son's sole purpose was to die and be a sacrifice 
and do something we could never do for ourselves. You know, it's, uh, I think that needs to be resurrected in the household of the believers. I think it does. I know it does. I know it does in mine. We go, go, go. We get wrapped up in this craziness when we miss the richness of what we're celebrating. And those who are zealous to win you over, but for no good, they want to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. You know, there's a little excerpt out of Galatians chapter 4, but it talks volumes to the heart of a pastor. This talks volumes about churches controlling people rather than leading them into freedom. It talks about the motives behind what you're doing and what you're ministering. And, and the heart of a pastor is to really help people grow in their intimacy with Jesus and grow in knowing that they're free. And they're free. They're, they're free to come. They're free to go. And you know what? I, th I think to a certain extent, uh, some, some of what we do on Sunday mornings is a control thing rather than setting people free. It says... They're, and they're zealous to win you over. Guard yourself for what the purpose is behind winning you over. Then in verse 22, and it's written that Abraham had two sons, not by the slave woman, but the other by a free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but the son by the free woman was born as a result of the divine promise. And uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, we'll leave that alone right where it is because we're going to get into that a little later because Holy Spirit led me to go, go back to Genesis and see what Paul is trying to talk about. And we're going to end the message that way. But then in verse 24, these things are being taken figuratively. The woman represents two covenants. One covenant from Mount Sinai that bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for the Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But Jerusalem, that is about a free, about is, about is free, and she is another woman. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who has never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are 
never in, never in labor because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her of the husband. Let's take a little pause here and we're going to define this. What, well, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off on that comment when we get to Genesis. All right? So then now, you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, the children of promise, at the time the son born according to the flesh, persecuted the son by the power of the spirit. In this, it, it is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share with the inheritance of the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of, sl of the slave woman, but a free woman. Something, I had to go back to Genesis, something happened back in that record that, that Paul was giving words to that you and I need to know. Something happened. Something happened. And now let's go to Genesis and find out what happened that would clarify what Paul is saying here in Galatians chapter 4. Genesis 16, 1-2. Now Sarah... Abraham's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. I, I, I'm going to pause there. The Lord has kept me from having children. When God sets a plan in place, when God ordains and sets something into action and something that is about to happen, Sarah could not stop it with this negative word. See, she's blaming God. You know, it says God in heaven sometimes laughs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sarah, you have no idea. You have no clue. God has a destiny for you and I, and even if we mess it up, what he has ordained for you and I will happen. I, I wasn't going to say this, but you know what? Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him, and yet even knowing that, he had Peter's destiny all planned out. He was the first one to really share the gospel at Pentecost. So, go to sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah. So after Abraham had been living in Cana 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Interesting, you know, she didn't go sleep with him just as a slave. You know, they had multi-wives and, and she made sure the covenant was correct. So 
she, by some ceremonial way, made Hagar his other wife before they slept together. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived, and she knew, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Interesting. Interesting. And, and this, this conflict goes on throughout history that, that uh, the conflict between evil and good between believers and unbelievers and 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 uh, and rather than rejoicing here's a slave woman that brings forth a son that is not at this point not part of the covenant and rather than rejoicing she despised Sarah We're going to unpack Galatians chapter 5 in a really amazing way in these next few verses. On the very day Abraham took his son, and I skipped the other verses, let me fill you in what was happening in Genesis. God was visiting Abraham and connecting and saying, you know, I love, I love Ishmael. And I want him to be part of the covenant, and I'm, I'm, I, and I, and part of that promise, which was strictly for Jews, circumcision. Todd touched about it a little bit last week. That I want to include other people in circumcision, not just Abraham and his family. So that, that's before these verses. Now. The very, the very day Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in the household circumcised them. And God, as God told him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was, when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised the same day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised by him. Here. No, it just happened. No, it just happened. Prophetically, a circumcision act was done knowing full well that God had a plan to send Jesus the Messiah that would connect with this equal share in the Father's love, Jew or Gentile. He was very specific. Not just your own household, slaves you bought, people from other countries, you get them all circumcised and do it now. And, and he, him and Ishmael were actually the same day, 
circumcised. Because there was a gospel coming forward that was there would be no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Then it goes on to say, I have to go back up here a little bit. You know what? I guess I skipped that verse. I did. I guess I did. I tucked it away, guys. I tucked it away. What what happened here, and go, go back to the Genesis account, Hagar, uh, Ishmael gets circumcised, Abraham gets circumcised, Gentiles get circumcised. And what was what was the what was the call out? What was the call out? Uh, Abraham received a promise, right? That uh, you're 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 like the sands of the sea. You're you're your generations will be blessed. But something unique was happening while this was only all going on. When Messiah would come and connect Jew and Gentile together equally through coming to know Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, guess what was declared? There'll be more from the family of Ishmael than from the promise. And I think I think throughout history we found this out. I uh, the millions upon millions of Gentiles that came in relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. See, Sarah had Hagar and Ishmael kicked out of the house not knowing that God had a future plan to bring salvation to the Gentiles. You know what? She said she got mad at Hagar and all this and there was all this stuff. But I want to assure you of something. That God will get his plan done despite you and me. And my suggestion to all of us, if we catch ourselves, if we catch ourselves uh, interfering with the plan of God, repent and start moving again. Repent and start moving again. Start going forward. Start doing your thing and doing things for the kingdom. Because... um, Ending with this, Todd's going to give me plenty of time, but we're going to get done earlier. Uh, maybe we won't. We'll see. We'll see what God has for with this last verse. In this whole thing that was going on, a child of a promise, uh, being past age, being too too old, and and Sarah laughing and Abraham hearing and everything, everything it was all that was going on. The angel or communicator 
said an interesting thing that should affect all of our lives. He said, out of his mouth came an interesting, a very interesting phrase that should affect all of our lives. In fact, it, it, it's a way of life for us. It's a way of ch a challenge for us to be a way of life. Here's the word. Here's the word. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Think about it. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I, I, I have to have that ringing through my spirit on a daily basis. You know, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we had our audit, and I was all concerned about the audit, and we... And uh, the people in charge, I have in charge of it, kept on telling me, Byron, don't, don't worry about it. Oh, I am worried. I'm not sure. We got all these new, no, 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 no. And we passed it with flying colors. And I thought, wow, that's done with. I entered this week. We had breakdown after breakdown and breakdown and getting within a day of shutting our customers down. And then they throw out the threats and they say, they say, well, if you shut us down, you know, we're going to charge your company $1,000 a minute. Then I said, well, I'll hand the keys over to them because then it, it's all over for us. $1,000 a minute, we're, we're done. And I, I've never seen big corporate America ever implement that. I think they understand where their deep pockets are and where they're not. But that's, that's what they say, $1,000 a minute. So in, in this week, with all the channel, equipment going down, uh, uh, tooling going down, everything, uh, I, and I'm glad, because that, that's part of my lifestyle. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? i got to ask all of us. I mean, we, all of us are going to, you're going to come up to some, it's not when, it's, it's not if, but it's when. You're going to come up with some difficult challenges in your life. Now, for, out of that challenge, will ring out of your life, is there anything too difficult for him? And, and putting it, uh, not just mere words, but power. Paul said that in Corinthians. I, I don't come with you with just mere words, just some rhetoric. I come to you with words empowered by God himself. Now, you, you and I, if you take that word, there's nothing too impossible for him. And, you know, maybe, there, maybe we're here this morning. Maybe we're here this morning and we're saying to ourselves, you know, <clears throat> I got this addiction. Man, i just given up trying to get rid of this addiction. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Maybe it's health. Oh, man, I just got diagnosed with this thing. And, man, I, I don't know. What, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Maybe it's a financial thing hits you. And, and you don't know where to turn. And you say, man, uh, my supply is gone. I don't know. 
how to feed my children. I don't know how. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Maybe there is a breakup in relationship and, and, and the connections are broken. You say, this can never be fixed. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Maybe it's time management and you're just trying to adjust your time and, how, and, and, and you're, you're, you're really struggling with time management. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. I want you to know that whatever you deem impossible is possible. You know, in this week I I go to my team. You know, and we're saying they're saying, "Yikes, this broke down, that broke down," and I go to them. I say, "Hey guys, we'll figure this out." I mean. Uh, uh, this is just an opportunity to find out the solution. So get your mind off of the trouble and get your mind on the solution because the trouble is just giving an opportunity for a solution. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. You know, I, I, my, whatever it is, you know, my, we had a, very con- a big concern for my oldest son uh, when his wife just sprung on him. I don't love you anymore. Pack up your bags and get out of the house. And I never loved you through my whole marriage. And I just want you to leave. Get out now. Pack up and get out. I don't care where you go. Out. And he walked out empty. And he had to go through a, he had to go through a process to really know there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Maybe you've been hurt by, you know, words are... Remember when we were growing up, sticks and stones may break my bones, words will never hurt me, baloney. <laughs> you know, whoever figured that out didn't know the power of words. But maybe people have spoken over you and, and, you're, and you're so in bondage by the word spoken of you, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. So if you get anything out of this message, it's just going back. Paul's putting this whole scenario about the free and the slave. And he's letting us know Coming to Jesus, the slave is no longer a slave, but an heir. He comes to this place in his life when the Holy Spirit has his full work in his life. That he comes to this place of this confidence of saying, Abba, Father. And I want to add, in saying Abba, Father, in that intimacy with him, Right behind that is there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for the hope of our salvation. Father, I thank you, Lord, that that you didn't leave us an orphan when we came and received Jesus in our life. 
But immediately when that happened, Holy Spirit took residence in our life. I thank you, Lord, in that residence that we have an opportunity to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and be filled with him and, and get a new power and a new energy in our life as we yield to all that he can do in our life. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. And I'm reminded, this is the day the Lord has made. He, the one that says there's nothing too difficult for him, he made this day for you and me. Our part in it is to have that intimate connection and rejoice and be glad in it. God does not want you or my, me to remain downtrodden. You understand? He wants to bring us to a place where, where everything becomes new and refreshing. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. We just thank the Lord that Don is with us this morning. You know, uh, <laughs> that, that uh, you know, he, he's gone through a rough few months. And just when he was getting better, he broke his hip, and then he had to start all over again. And, and meeting with him and he's coming to see you, you would always, you always say, I'm coming back to church. I'm coming back to church. And we would just have some wonderful fellowship together. And, and I tell you when, you, go, when you go visit somebody in need, you, you should go there with an expectation that you'll be blessed. Because uh, whenever we do anything for anybody, the blessing returns back. And Don, you have been a voice of encouragement to me and love for me. And I thank you all those times I came to visit you in different places. And I was telling the church last week, sometimes I get confused where I was going, and I, and I go visit two other facilities where I make it to Don. But you know what? It's... Uh, if persistence is really important in your life. That you just because you messed up the first time, you keep going until you get to the to your your uh, agenda and what you're going to do. Because, but on the what you know behind behind the scenes, on the way to finding your place, I had some wonderful fellowship and time sharing Jesus with different facilities here in Libertyville. So, so it's, all things work together for good. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I do. And, and, uh, and just in closing, we thank the Lord, Don, that you're here. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to your cup of coffee. He has always said, I, gotta, I always want a cup of coffee. And he would do it so neatly. He would give me a little dish and a little stir thing and a little napkin and everything else. You're so, such an amazing man of God. And we pray that in Jesus' name, according to his word, that you will live in good health and well-being as your soul prospers. As, as you keep praising God and connecting with him, that, that you will walk and not be weary. In Jesus' name, we thank you so much. But for all of you, you know, and I, I, I said it enough, I'm going to say it one more time. When you leave this place, you, you need to have... The fire of God reminding you that there's nothing too hard for him. Amen, and God bless you. This is Pastor Todd. 
Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I pray the Lord uses today's message by Pastor Byron to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.